0: Hi there. Welcome to Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh. Today we have Tammy Launenberger. She's the former CEO of Launenberger, which had its corporate headquarters in Newark, Ohio, the small town that me and Kelly grew up in. The name Launenberger was just such a mainstay in my life when I was a kid. They have these beautiful hand-woven baskets and a direct selling model. So no matter what, you knew somebody who was working with them, who either worked in their factory and made baskets or was selling their products. We are so excited to have Tammy on the podcast today. She is the eldest daughter of Dave Lonenberger. Who is just a household name where we grew up? She has led an incredible life. She is a mom of two, and she has a lot of nuggets of advice on motherhood for Kelly and I. And she is Kelly's mentor. So I'm so excited today to bring this interview to you. Let's get started. So I
1: always say that I'm really excited, but. I can tell you that this is de- definitely a mentor in a million ways. I feel like we talk a lot about journey and life and there are always things that happen along your journey that put your life in a certain path or a certain course. And I can say that Tammy Longaberger is a huge person that had a huge impact on my life and put my life on a definite definite spin in a certain direction. And that's because she saw something in me that at that time I didn't see in myself. So I, I'm so excited to bring on Tammy Longaberger. Some of you probably know her, um, that are listeners out there. And Tammy, I would love for you to just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself or even what you would consider who you are today. I think, you know, as women in life, we go through our lives and we figure out what our why is in life and what we want our journey to be, and I think that changes probably by decade, um, and every few years. But what is your why in life right now? And just tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: It's really so good, you know, even even over the internet to to be with you again. I I thought we did such great work together, and you always had a smile on your face and a can-do attitude. And um, but it's great to be with you again and. Thank you so much, uh, both to you and to Carrie for uh, this very, very kind invitation. You know, it, it's interesting. It's such a great question that you ask. Um, it's like, what is my why? I have to tell you, I spent uh, a, an enormous amount of time during the pandemic asking myself that question. Um, you know, you, you. it seems like you always start out with what? Yes. Okay. But really the answer to the what is really the why. And why usually is about what is what is missing in your life. And for me, I mean I live by myself. I'm I will be 60 this year, Kelly. You look phenomenal. Yeah. I would never, oh, never. You. No way. <laughs> and, and and I am embracing it. I'm totally embracing it. I'm not the least bit um uh co- concerned about it. But I, I live by myself, and um, I had a lot of time to myself over the last um, year. I think for all of us, some of you who have children maybe didn't didn't have that luxury, but you certainly have probably at least uh, those of you who work outside of the home uh, spent more time with your family perhaps than you had for a, a long, long time, and you get to know things about yourself that you i i felt like i was confronted with um in my um isolation and i see that i saw that as one of the silver linings um you know with all the the horrible things that happened with the pandemic to people and families um and, and throughout life i i always try to find the the silver lining in in all of it and for me, it gave me an opportunity to start thinking about how I want to spend the rest of my life, and and with who, and who is important to me. So, to answer your question directly, what is the why? I, I think the the why is about understanding that at the end of the day, when you're you know at the end of your life. You, you want to look back and have some sense that your life had some meaning and purpose. At the end of the day, what I get most satisfaction out of and make the biggest contribution to my community, country, and the world is to do what I can to help others. And I don't mean that in a cliche. I just mean that that means... Saying yes uh, to a podcast when uh, you know a dear colleague asks me, or it means walking down the street and I see. Usually, you know, if I see a woman who is homeless, I'm very supportive of women I find in that circumstance. Or it might mean a dear friend who who needs help with work. Um, just wh- whatever whatever the universe puts in front of me for the day, I do what I can to to try to make it a little bit better.
1: So I feel like I missed you and I just got teary because I think that I I did get to spend a lot of time with you through traveling and you always besides the fact that you mentored me from the corporate side of things I always felt like you had such life advice that rang true to who I wanted to be in such great perspective. I think there are probably a lot of people that in the last year went through times of reflection in that, you know, point of isolation or just in being surrounded by their family. Um, And so, no, I love, obviously, I feel like you have spent your life, I think in a lot of ways, helping and pulling others up. And I think that, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people that have gotten to know you through Longaberger and beyond, you have done that continuously reaching down and pulling others up. So I love that that was your answer. And I think that that I wouldn't have said it so eloquently. But I think looking back, I think that's what I always saw in you for so many, so many ways. That's
2: that's so sweet of you, Kelly. And I, I think at some point, we have to tell the story. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, uh, I mean, so you, you know, for the, those of you who know Kelly, I mean, when she worked at the Longaberger company, she was working in another division of the company not not the the sales and marketing side of the business. But one day, I said to her, "It's like, what are you doing over there? Like, you belong yes. you belong in the sales and marketing sides of this business." And I remember you saying to me, "Well, I've never done that before. Do you think I could do it?" And it's like, yes. Yes, I do think you can do it. <laughs> and um, you, you certainly have created a tremendous life for yourself. And um, I think that in that role, when you had the courage to take the leap and make the change and work in, in an area that maybe you weren't sure you could do, but you had someone who believed in you, um, uh, you have made the difference in so many other people's lives because of it. And um, that's when you know you're you're doing. You're doing something at least in the arena of of your special gifts um, and and making a difference in this world.
1: Well, and I think it's true that I, you know, I think in the last six months I kind of went through a transition, and maybe that had something to do with pandemic too. Knowing what I love to do, what my strengths are, and I I definitely wasn't doing that the last couple months, and knowing. You know, I know what my gifts are, and I know what I want to share, um, and that probably starts from my foundation at Longaberger. So, going to Longaberger, the oldest daughter to Dave Longaberger, um, I feel like that would come with a lot of pressure, a lot of joy. He was incredible, the you know the founder of Longaberger and such a leader to so many. You know, what came along with being that was it? Did was it a lot of pressure?
2: I I, I never really felt.
1: Pressure
2: from my father. Um, but as I look back, I realized that I just accepted what he wanted me to do. <laughs> yes. But that was, because, right. you, know, my, my, you know, my parents were divorced, even though we lived in a small town. Um, you know, he lived about a mile away as far as physical distance goes. But as Kelly knows, he was quite a dreamer and and a visionary so from a from a mindset and and being present standpoint he lived thousands and thousands of miles away so for me uh, you know quite frankly in order to be a part of his life like any daughter you know you know that has a you know has a constructive relationship you you want to have you want to have more of that And so with my dad, I had to be a part, I had to be come into his world, you know, as opposed to him, uh, wanting to be a part of my world or figuring out what that is. And, and I was just fine with doing that. It was a small town. I mean, my goodness, you know, my dad was, uh, I was so lucky to grow up with someone like him because I never understood what a glass ceiling was. Yes. Yes. It didn't exist for me. It, it. It. I grew up in a very. Uh, I grew up in an environment that oppression of women, at least in our home, at least with my 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 relationship with my father, uh with respect. But he treated me like the son he did not have. Yes. And as a result, I was expected to do. that. And this was back in the '60s and early '70s. You know, it. it he treated me in a way that I was expected to do things that a lot of my girlfriends were not doing, which was fine, because I didn't know anything different, really. And so I grew up believing I could do anything,
1: you know, fighting for women and, you know, breaking glass ceilings. Do you think he was ahead of his time? I mean, in a lot of ways, he always was ahead of his time. But <laughs> um, but do you see that as part of it? He was Kelly, but it was but it was also a product
2: of his situation. You know, as you know, he was he taught us all of us, all of us that worked with him, and I, you know, and I I was no different in many ways than than you know em- employee staff, except you know he had a little more vested interest. But he he taught us not to complain and to just deal with the circumstances that were dealt with. I mean, that's just the way it is. And and for him, he you know he had two daughters. My, my my sister was so much younger than me, though. You know i i was I was the first opportunity to try things out on. So you know, I, I went to work for him when I was fourteen years old, and and quite frankly, until I sold the company in two thousand thirteen, in many ways, I was still working for him. So. So let's see, thirteen. Let's see, fourteen years old. So from nineteen seventy-five to two thousand fifteen, you know, it was all about um, keeping my dad's dreams alive and doing what I can. Um, yeah, to, that all of us wanted wanted to keep going. So so it was it was a good thing. And and he was he it, you know it was a he was an amazing um, father in ways that were not traditional.
1: Right. But I love that you also accepted that and knew that to have a strong relationship and bond, that it wasn't going to look like other relation father-daughter relationships, and that you stepped into his space. I know in some mm-hmm. ways that wasn't an option, <laughs> but also you did, and you had a strong relationship because of that.
2: You know, when my, when my father passed away, um, it you know, of course we miss him. We all miss him. But I was right. at peace because there was nothing left unsaid between us. Nothing. You know, it doesn't mean that co- the conversations are always easy. But the person who remains is the one that has to live with it. Because we had that kind of relationship. And, and in many ways, maybe because it was more of a... Business structure around the relationship; it made the conversations easier because they were less emotional.
1: Maybe I don't I've never thought about that before, but may, you know, maybe that's the case. Interesting how things come into play in your life. But my mom hasn't been my mom hasn't been well for a really long time. But in the last year, she really I think the pandemic, not being around them all the time because of the pandemic, she hasn't been well, but I feel like I have been making more of an effort to step into her world and have conversations. That's great. Um, just because it is true. You don't want to leave anything unsaid. So I think I needed that reminder too. So Longaberger was a huge journey for, for your, for myself, for probably a lot of the listeners. I think an incredible, Incredible, you know, getting to where they were and empowering so many women to to build these huge businesses. What were the most important parts of the Longaberger journey for you, or the the best memories?
2: Well, there there are so many, um, but I think the most significant contribution that Longaberger gave to the world, of course, our baskets are amazing products were amazing. But I, I believe it was the community that we all collectively built and the mutual respect and relationships that all of us treasured and continue to treasure this day and still want back, um, is, is that, that connection and, and dad had an incredible way of demonstrating that every person in the organization is valued no matter what your role no matter what your position um you, that that role is important and valued and um that resonated with everyone because that way everyone could be a part of the journey and a part of the mission and a part of the team building the company, not just a few senior executives at the top of the pile. Um, you know, when you, you talked about mentoring Kelly, a a woman that gave me such good advice early on in the late eighties in direct selling was Mary Kay Ash of Mary Kay cosmetics. Yes. And, um, she told me one day, you know, I was around her just two or three times. I didn't, I don't want to pretend I knew her personally. I did not, but I had the privilege of being around her and in small groups with her. And when she had women with her, just women with her, she would share some of her advice. And it taught me that people who are really successful are the ones that are willing to share, you know, they don't, usually act like jerks and they, they don't, don't, um, try to demean or, or put people down. And, and she was one of those people that, that shared. And, you know, of course I was never going to sell Mary Kay cosmetics, right? Because I own my own company right and uh, direct selling company, but she still wanted to share that advice. And she said, let me tell you something, ladies, if you're going to be in this business and you want to be successful, and I've personally found this to be very successful in life. She said, pretend everyone you meet has a button on and it that on that button, it says, make me feel important. I love this. And that was a, that was a lesson that I never forgot. And I find it, I find it applicable when I talk to someone that is in need of help. Um, When I see a stranger on the street, I use that philosophy and it has served me well.
1: Well, and I feel like people want to be seen in life. And I think thinking of it that way, even when today I ran this morning on the bike path, And I was thinking about how we haven't been able to just smile Mm -hmm. at each other for so long with masks. And I said, good morning to a few people and smiled. And it's just, I felt like it was the recognition of me recognizing that I was passing them. And I feel like thinking about that button makes people feel seen and valued and important in the world in general. Kelly,
2: you are so wise. Like you're wise beyond your years. You know, uh, I I read something during- uh, over the last year that and uh, I want to share it with you um it, it was like the key to a, any relationship connection business personal you know professional casual whatever the very essence of being human is an insistence upon being witnessed yes yes you know it's it's the the, the power of someone witnessing another's existence is incalculable. It's incalculable.
1: Even building the community and the network, it was about seeing these women who in some ways maybe didn't feel seen before they entered the community of Longaberger or whatever company.
0: You You are exactly right. I, I'm listening here and the bean is just relaxed Please. a little bit. I am so inspired by you. You're giving me chills talking about Aww. the, you know, to grow up <laughs> in the time that you grew up without the pretense of a glass ceiling being at, above you. That is just so rare for women.
2: It it was, you know, at, at, at the time, I, you know, I, I, I think I felt it a disadvantage in some ways, because, you know, I could never just be the cute girl that there were no expectations about, you know, <laughs> I didn't have a dad like yes. that, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, but I'll I tell you, you learn survival skills when you can do that. And you and and it certainly has served me well on my journey in life. And you know, for all of you, you know, listening, I mean, life is a journey, you know, there, there's, it has its ups and downs. It's, I think it's about resilience, you know, and it's about, about quite frankly, um, kindness. And in, in, and I, in that definition, I mean, I had to learn to be kind to myself. And when you can be kind to yourself, you can survive just about anything.
0: Wow, it's just so inspirational and and, um I it's also I mean, wow, Kelly, you're so lucky because I think that we all look for women that we can look up to in the business world because a lot of stuff isn't taught to us right in the business world. I don't know if it's taught to boys more. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just it's just really inspirational and And I know um, you guys were talking about how important it is for people to be seen. And the the amazing thing is, is that that is not necessarily something maybe a CEO, a male CEO would say, Mm -hmm. I I don't know, but it's just so important because that is why people open their wallets, right? Because they feel like they're in a relationship with the person that's in front of them. And I think the, the very authentic companies make sure that
2: it's not just an imagined relationship, but now with social media, there's it's so much easier to connect personally. You can make that relationship um, a, a, as close as you want it to be and and, and much more authentic because in the, in the past, you'd have to write copy, you'd have to shoot videos. It was kind of one way.
0: Tammy, this skill set you're talking about, is really relevant in my business as well. And I think in most businesses, not just direct selling, Kelly, can you talk about how she has mentored you and really helped you hone in on this skill set that you are now so good at?
1: Yes, I think a, a couple of things. One, you know, Tammy, I even think talking about, um, just advice in general one of the things that i and I, I will leave all names out but i remember us being at an airport and someone that was traveling with us a guy was going to miss a flight and i was like so concerned about it and so worried and and you kind of were like listen you're here you're where you need to be you can't fix everyone you can't get everyone where they're going and you need to let it go so i think not only did you, I mean, there's a million lessons in this so far. One, you know, you you saw me, you pulled me up. I feel like saying to look at others to make them feel seen, um, to help others. Is such a great perspective to be able to reflect about who you are. Oh, thank you. But also, just in general, I think you also taught me a little bit that you can't save or fix everyone that's surrounding you, and. I think that's a big life lesson also that I felt like I learned from you.
2: Well, uh, I, I'm glad because it took me a long, long, long time to learn that lesson, (laughs) but I'm working on it. I did. (laughs) Maybe I said it enough. I started believing it. Yes. When you're a compassionate, caring person, you, you do want to try to fix people and try to help people. Um, how what I have come to accept is everyone is on their own journey and they have the right to their own journey. When I would dive in and try to fix someone and help them, I was really denying them of their own journey and their own experience. And quite frankly, it never works anyway. I mean, it really doesn't. right? I have learned to just step back and know that everyone has their own journey. And that the universe works in a way that in this loud cacophony of noise, et cetera, um, we, each one of us tend to find our path. Sometimes, sometimes the the right thing to do is stop looking for your next path and it comes to you. That was my experience after Longeberger. Um, when I moved to New York City, simply because I thought I couldn't stay where everything was Longaberger. And my daughter um, uh, went with me. We lived in different apartments, but at least we were like a mile away and we could could stay connected. But I had to just stop and sit for about six months. And um, I had to learn. There was something I read, and I, I wish I could remember what it was. But it talked about um, you can try to swim upstream in life if you want to, and you can you know, you can make some progress, but boy, is it tough. Yes. Sometimes the universe has a way of helping you find where you need to go, even when you don't know where that is. If you just kind of if you're in the river and you imagine yourself swimming upstream. If you can have the courage and the self stability to just roll over and lay on your back and let the current of life take you where you need to go, at least my experience was I ended up in a really good place, but I had to trust in the universe, you know, um, many people of faith would say "Trust in God." to show them that path. And when I was able to do that, I I began to get to a place of um a serenity with my life.
1: I feel like that is such a huge lesson and I think so I don't know very many people that probably do that. I think that's huge. I mean, listen, I'm probably going to listen to this podcast more than once for myself. Um, but that—that that is such a huge, valuable lesson. And I wonder because I think, you know, I got the opportunity to come um, to New York City and visit you. And I actually loved that day with you. It was great. Uh, It was such a great day and I feel like we had a glass of wine here and a glass of wine there (laughs) and we talked life in general throughout the day, all about life. And so I definitely think you've given yourself in a million ways, but that was a huge transition for you. And I like that you recognize that you kind of had to sit in it for a moment and then four kind months. of just months <laughs> months and then let it go and i think um you know look where you're at now and i feel like it's just such a huge huge testament to who you are as a person in general so you you mentioned claire yes i wanted to say i just think you know and being a mom of four there's such pressure and balance to show up in all places and i think it's a huge struggle for women. I, I mentioned this to someone a couple weeks ago, where I was having just like a really couple weeks that were really unbalanced. And I was sitting in the car at the soccer field, basically missing the game because I was in the car, but I was on a conference call in the car, but I was also in the car on a conference call. So I'm sure everyone on the conference call felt like I wasn't 100% in and it was, I wasn't present in either place. And I think it's a really hard balance. How did you feel, what struggles, or how did you feel like you were able to balance being such an amazing mother to Claire and Matthew, but also running a company?
2: Well, it, it wasn't easy. Fortunately, I had a lot of help. You know, I, I you know, running a big company and being successful would afford you some resources that I you know, I was able to hire people to help do the things that I couldn't do that someone else could do, and that that does make a difference. Um, but even then, I can tell you, your kids keep you grounded. I remember being at a baseball game, and this was, this was back in the days when you still printed out all your emails. There wasn't any Wi-Fi yeah. or something, so I print out all the emails and I would take them in a basket and sit out in the outfield while Matthew, my son was playing baseball. And he was probably, I don't know, 12 years old, maybe at the most 10 or 12 years old. And I would go through my emails, mark them up and put them in a basket beside me the whole, you know, the whole two hours. And um, at the end of the game, I said to Matthew, I said, Matt, that was a great hit you had when you ran to first base. And he looked at me and he said, how would you know you were sitting there doing work the whole time? Right. Ouch. Yes. Yeah. So you realize they are watching, ladies. They are watching and they are aware if you are present or not. And so there are a lot of things I would go back and do differently with my kids. You know, I would make sure that when I was when I'm with them, that I was present with them. And I'm not sure I was with everyone at every time, of course. On the other hand, I would also say my daughter, Claire, you know, Claire's here with me this week um, at, at my house. And, and we had this conversation that I also wanted to make sure that I made decisions in my life that were difficult and painful for our family. But I also, thought about if my daughter was in the situation I was in, what would I want her to do? Would I want her to sacrifice herself to accommodate the, the you know, the so- society's idea of what's right? You know, the good mother, the good wife, the good whatever. And I decided, no, I, I wouldn't want my daughter to sacrifice her life for society's models. So I did a lot of things that, um, you know, other mothers, at least where we were living, didn't do. And uh, (laughs) years later, my my son wrote me uh, a lovely, lovely, affectionate Mother's Day note. But it started out saying, Dear Mom, I always knew you weren't a normal mom. (laughs) oh no right so they do observe and they do see and quite frankly i think you teach your children more by your actions than anything that you say to them other i mean as long as you're saying kind things you say cruel things that's that's not great um but i think by your actions you demonstrate more than your words will ever ever convey
1: I feel like this is good for me to remember, and I'm sure Carrie, too, just balancing and doing multiple things and being present.
0: You know, this is such a 2021 problem. You know, I work from home and I'm with her all day, so she's got me, but does she really? Because it's, right. right now is a good example of that. Like, she's like, you're here, but you're not because you're working that's right and guess what carrie she's right (laughs) absolutely so i'm trying to do both i'm doing both of them not so well like i'm not fully engaged in the podcast with you guys i'm not fully engaged with her right how do you balance that that and then also you know she's a girl i also want her to understand that mommy has to work and it's important and it's a good thing Yep. You know, it's a good thing. I want to be a role model and that she's not going to just, you know. Yes. You know, it's important. How do you balance that though? You know,
2: yeah, I think your honesty is a really important step. And I think as far as why is work good, you know, my my mother who found herself uh, divorced with two kids when I was quite young, young and my sister and she taught me at that time, which was very painful for her, she said, "I never want you to end up like me. I want you to make sure you're able to take care of yourself." And I'd never forgotten that. so when you you know I guess when you're conveying to your children why working is good, maybe define it a little more. you know what why is it good? Well, you you need, you know it's a tough world out there." It's it's it they're going to have challenging life just like all of us do. Uh, But if people are self-sufficient and able to take care of themselves, they'll get through life. And I I think I'm not sure there's anything more important a parent can teach. I mean, parents that, you know, and I, I, I certainly made mistakes, I'm sure. I could have Claire come from upstairs to explain it to you. <laughs> Maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> you know, she, she knows, and, and I've said this to her and her brother, you know, your, your father and I did the very best we could, you know, and, and then we jokingly say, you know, a few years of therapy, you'll be fine. <laughs> right. but, but it's the honesty that you're not perfect and that you do the best you can. And, and I'm not sure a child could ask for anything more than honesty of their parent. You know, the kids are resilient. Um, You know, if you can teach them how to take care of themselves, uh, you know, something a therapist did tell me way after my kids were adults, but I'd love to share it with you right now is he told me never do anything for your children at any age that they are capable of doing for themselves.
1: Oh my gosh! I need to hear this. This is such. I I know for a fact that I do things for the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, admit, it. you admit it. It's not good. It's not good. But I I I I said I was going to listen to this more than once. It's true. But that's such a good way to think of it.
2: Because you have to teach them how to take care of themselves. Because you never know when you're going to be gone. It's not like we plan these things. But you see these stories all the time. All of a sudden, you know, a parent is just gone, um, you know, from a, a tragedy, an accident, whatever. And you're not able to do the things and the child is lost. Well, that's that's not good parenting when you, you know, you, you if you can teach them to take care of themselves as much as they can at any age. Wow. And that brings I, as a parent, it'll bring you
1: peace of mind as well. You just mentioned, as parents in general, parents are always trying to do the best that they can. And you have gotten, it's an opportunity, but I also feel like it probably weighs on you. I know that you have spent a lot of time in Africa and the Middle East. You've seen women struggling to be mothers in the environment that they're in in the situation that they're in, doing the best that they can for their children. You know, I just I I'm still, you know, booking that trip with you at some point because I feel like it will change my perspective in life in a million different ways. But what did what was that like for you to see women and mothers trying to do the best they can in a situation that obviously isn't what we have here in the US and we're struggling.
2: Well, wow, it's um it's very difficult to describe but it's heart-wrenching like gut-wrenching to see you know mothers who are are very openly publicly you know uh, uh, abused oppressed ignored stuck in a traditional you know family culture that they cannot escape even economically, you know, no way to take care of themselves, no way to financially support themselves and, you know, have four or five children that are going to go through the exact same cycle. Um, you know, there are, there are, what I found is that women around the world, and I don't, I have not seen this, differently any place, except sometimes here. Um, they want the same thing that I think, Carrie, you and Kelly and I want, you know, for our children, we want them to have a better life than we have. We want them to have an education and be able to sustain this journey of life as as best they can. Um, you know, it's not a matter of being like, what what is successful? It's like, How do you teach children to get through the difficult times? I mean, being happy in the good times, (laughs) they don't need your help with that part. You know, what they need is, is how do you build skill sets to make sure they can get through difficult times because they will have them. And um, I think part of that is allowing them to make mistakes, allowing them to suffer the consequences of their own decisions. And I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about, you know, life and and ha- teach them how to deal with those circumstances. Um you know we we are fortunate that we have what I would call uh first world problems to deal with. But when you get to third world problems, you're talking about basic clothes food shelter um i mean the idea of children having an education and i'm talking about girls beyond 12 13 years old to have go to go to high school it it's it's kind of a that's their dream you know that's their idea of of success and um it puts things in perspective I don't know that any of us could go someplace like that and have those kinds of very close up personal experiences and conversations uh without being impacted by it and it and it and when you come back, it does make you grateful what what I've realized is we are so fortunate despite all the challenges and the problems and the trouble we have in the United States right now. We're very lucky to live here because we can get an education. We can inform ourselves. We can read, we can learn, you know, you can get a job. It may not be the job you want for the rest of your life, but you can get a job and you can support yourself and you can take care of yourself. Um, not, not everyone can, can do that as easily as I am saying. And I recognize that and understand that. And that's where, um, I would hope that the United States government would find in itself to help people that need the hand up. And, and at times, sometimes that, yes, that does mean a handout. Does that, do I recommend that forever? No, but you know, women and children are ones that suffer and, and, and we know that.
1: So I, I feel like it's so true. And I guess I hadn't thought about that as much that it's, when they're in that situation, it's hard to break the cycle. It's like a cycle that can't be broken because there isn't someone, a government that is able to step in and help break the cycle. Well,
2: and also in order to change it, you're asking them to leave their children and leave their family forever. What what caring right. mother is ever going to do that?
1: Life has changed so much. And, you know, you went from a small town in the Midwest and then spending time in New York City. And now you're in the DC era and you have a major role in a new company. And I love that you are consulting, you're helping companies grow. Um, You know, it's just such a big deal. The Global Head Partnership. um, is, Is that right? Did I say it right? Global Head
2: of Partnerships for a specialty venture capital firm. Yeah.
1: So how, what does life look like for you now doing that? Um, And do you feel like, you know, you mentioned the stream and learning to roll with it. And do you feel like five years ago, you wouldn't have imagined where you're at now? And how does that feel?
2: You're exactly right. I would not have imagined it um, five years ago. Um, But I, I ended up here because of a girlfriend, a girlfriend who made an introduction for me. And, um, as a result, I came in as a trusted person because she was highly regarded and you realize your network of your sisters, um, really, you know, when, when you're going through a tough transition, you find out that you're lucky if you've got five friends (laughs) that that are willing to help you out, you know, really and truly. And um, you know, she was, of course, one of those. And it, this this job, it, as far as the job itself goes, it's fascinating. It's interesting. It's a venture capital firm that invests exclusively in security and um, technologies that advance national security. So it was the learning curve was steep for me, um, but the network of people I work with. Is extraordinary. Um, Most of them have worked in the area of national security, either um, defense, uh, military, intelligence, or um, uh, really like State Department type folks. And then, of course, there's all the investment analysts, which I, I could never do their job. But the people side of the business and helping other companies grow. Leveraging a network for them and making connections and introductions for them is just fascinating. And I love it. And you find out that it's really important uh, to continue growing in life. I would not have had that opportunity had I stayed with the family business for a lifetime. Uh, of course, it, it was wonderful. It was amazing. Um, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, it was very painful extraordinarily you know heartbreaking painful to to leave um but it has again forced me i was in many ways forced to do something i would not have done otherwise nor would i ever had the courage to leave without being basically forced out and um it's opened up a whole new world for me at this point in my life. And um, I love living here in the Washington, D.C. area. I have a lot of good friends that live here because of my volunteering uh, around the world and doing the election observations, working with women in the Middle East. Um, so it's worked out really well. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. And, and certainly, Kelly, grateful for your friendship. Carrie, a uh, privilege to meet you and spend time with you. And yeah, life is good.
0: Wow. The last hour was just such a privilege for me. I talked to her for the first time today and I was just so inspired. And also knowing that name my whole life, you know, I, I come from Newark, Granville area and The Lonnenberger name was just, you know, a mainstay in our lives there. So this was just such a treat for me. And um, I'm just so happy that Kelly has had her in her life. Um, It's amazing. So I wanted to thank Tammy. Thank you, Tammy Lonnenberger. And thank you for tuning in, listeners. Thanks to Asa Watkins for post-production And if you can give us a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcasts, it helps other people find us more easily. And thank you so much for tuning in to Greener Grass, a podcast.